Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, I'm just going to hop right into it because we've got a lot to cover, so we'll just do a quick recap and I know some have asked for a, a copy of last week's that maybe people weren't here, and maybe we'll try to get a couple of copies printed up for them, uh, available extra for uh, uh, part uh, Defending the Faith number two, or I guess it would be last week's 1019, whatever that one was, um, about the deity and humanity of Jesus that weren't here, and we were talking about uh, about the cults and, and false religions and things like that. But we'll try to get copies if you can't get them off on, online. I, I encourage you to go online and get those off of the uh, church website. All right, last week we talked about, and of course these are, are key verses to our uh, pursuit of, of uh, defending the faith. Uh, one, one we talked about, as always, we talked about we have, we have received a command in 1 Peter 3.15, Always, always be ready to give a defense or an answer for the hope inside of you. And then an exhortation in Jude 3, uh, verse 3, to contend earnestly for the faith. In other words, fight with all your strength to win. Because like we talked about last time, all of us, no matter where, who you are, what position you are in the kingdom of God, every one of us have, have received the great commission to go and uh, preach and teach the gospel. And sometimes you have to use words, and sometimes we have to... Uh, answer for questions people might have, and that's part of our, our, uh, our uh, idea behind Bible study is to, is to uh, edify the body so that we have, know those things and are able to defend those things. And when we talk about defend, we're not talking about giving an apology, we're talking about giving an answer uh, to the things that we might be asked. So we talked, last week we talked about how the devil has always and continues to do all that he can throughout the ages to dethrone Jesus to make him less than God any way he can, and because he has always wanted to be worshipped, he has accomplished this greatly through the false teachers, false religions, false cults, which we briefly talked about or got into quite a few of them last time. We did an exposition of just a few false religions and cults briefly discussing their treatment of Jesus in their belief system. That's the key to that. When, If you remember one of the th- things, if you want to know about a uh, whether something is a cult, whether a religion is a cult or a uh, false religion, always ask them, what, what do they do with Jesus? And if it's anything less than God, then run from that as fast as you can because it's a cult. Amen. Thank you. So if Jesus is not God to them, then they are, they are of the Antichrist spirit, period. The Bible says we are not to even have them in our house. That's says that in Second John 10. He says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, which we're talking about Jesus that, who came in the flesh in verse 7, of that is do not receive them into your house nor greet them. Compromise and tolerance are the enemies to truth. So when we start compromising with talking about cults, and you know, I, I don't know how many of you, how many of you had, have had probably from time to time that either the Mormons or the Jehovah Witnesses come to your house. I mean, all of us have. And I, you know, I can remember early when, when we lived in Uvalde, Texas, we had a couple of um, Jehovah Witnesses come into our house and they started and talking about uh, all those things, you know, and, and I was just bold enough at that time to invite him in and say, well, let me tell you about Jesus. And so we got a chance to do it, and I believe we, I pl- I believe we planted a seed in those two young men, 
and uh, I, I don't know, they didn't, they didn't pray or anything like that, but they walked, scratching their head, they, they walked away. So I was glad at that time I was, uh, had been taught enough to be able to share that with them. So even though this is strong, remember, we can't give the devil a foothold in anything in our lives. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon says, Hell has many gates, though heaven has but one. Isn't that good? You know, that's, that's the thing about the enter the narrow. I mean, you, you know, if you look in the, and, and check, you can Google this and check it out, but there's like 6,800 or 7,000 different false religions all around the world that you can check out. I mean, different things. So, uh, so we talked about that in pretty good detail the last time, but check it out sometime and just see, see what you're up against. But, so we're going to continue with, uh, I, I put this statement in there, and now I'm, I'm going to have to backtrack a little bit, but continue with the deity and humanity of Jesus but not necessarily on that particular, those two facts. Because last lesson, the word Trinity came up several times in our exposition of the different cults and false religions because, as you know, most or a lot, of, a lot of false religions, a lot of cults, they don't even believe in the Trinity or they do away with it totally or, or have a different view of it completely as what we have in our church. At this juncture in the Bible study, we can't really move on just yet until we explore this subject of the Trinity because it's a core belief of ours at AOL and is so stated in our belief statement. So this is what we believe at AOL. And I wanted, to, I wanted to spend tonight, I thought, well, I could just give a brief two or three paragraphs on the Trinity, but how many of you know that's a big subject to cover? And so anyway, this is what we believe at AOL. We believe in one eternal God, creator of the universe, who is God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons in perfect unity, power, and equality who make up the Godhead or Trinity. So, and while uh, the Trinity is a core belief, it's not an easy one to fully grasp or understand. It's one of the pitfalls of the finite mind of man to think that he can ever fully understand the infinite God. God is so much beyond our full comprehension. I'll give you a couple of scriptures here to just relate to that. Ephesians 3.8, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, he said to, in, uh, in Ephesians, he said, to me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, keep in mind, that's, that's one thing right there, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And I put that in there just because uh, it, it's a little bit out of context of what we're talking about, but con so context is very important. But the thing about it is what he means by the unsearchable riches is um, it's the footsteps of God in the unfolding of his plan for man or the riches of his grace in all ages to come. So, I mean, you know, when he says unsearchable riches, and of course he says, I am, the, the, this grace was given to me that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let me explain. He, what he was talking about is he, being a full a, a, a Jew, he had the, the grace that was given to him that he was the one that would bring the, the, uh, the, the wisdom and the knowledge and the, and, and the gospel of Christ to the Gentiles. And then we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to, to, to talking about mystery. But also in Job 11, 7 through 8, he says, uh, this is what it says in those verses, can you, search out, can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than heaven, and, and what can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? In Isaiah 55, 9, we know this one, we've heard this one a lot. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
to think that we can comprehend all about God is is ridiculous because we don't have the mind capacity to to uh, even comprehend the infinite wisdom and knowledge and everything that about God. Nevertheless, it's still very important for us to try to gain better understanding in that we believe that about the, in what we believe about the Trinity in order for us to be able to better, better understand the deity and humanity of Jesus as we move on. I promise you we will get to the deity and humanity of Jesus as to those two things, but we're talking about the Trinity tonight. I believe we can be confident that the Word of God reveals to us mysteries, the mysteries, hidden truths, if we will open up, if we will but open it up, open it up and diligently study it. In other words, the Word. That's what I'm talking about. You've got to get into the Word. Now, when we're talking about mystery, I want to stop right there just for a minute because mystery sounds like something that we'll never find out. But this is what uh, uh, Dake said in his annotated Bible. He says, a mystery is a, a, a secret previously hidden but now made clear that, so, that we, so that no mystery remains for anyone who will accept the truth as revealed. Did you get that? That's good. It's a secret previously hidden. And so it, it's a, and, and then it's divinely revealed. And let me give you the example of that is that the, the, the mystery he's talking about or the mystery that uh, uh, Paul was talking about in Ephesians 3.8 was the mystery revealed, revealed that the Gentiles would be part of God's salvation and would be part of his plan. And they didn't know that. And it was revealed in the, it was, it was concealed in the Old Testament uh, but it was revealed also through there, but it was completely revealed in Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And so that was a mystery. That, it's, it's a mystery that was previously hidden, but divinely revealed later. Uh, and a mystery can be anything. It can be a, tr- a secret truth eventually revealed, or, or there are several mysteries in the Bible. There's also mysteries in the Bible that it could be something that humans can't comprehend, such as uh, another example of, of a mystery would be... Uh, the love of God. Can you comprehend how much the love of God is? Can you comprehend why God loves sinners and how far his love really goes? I mean, that's all. It, it's beyond our mind's comprehension. And then also, something it, a mystery can be something about God that can't logically be understood. And what I'm talking about there, there is a, it's a trinity. It's, it's, we'll see as we go through here that it's, it's something that our logic can't process, but we have to believe it by faith. It's it's a, it's it's a, what one commentator calls the Trinity is a paradox, or the or the or what we believe in about the Trinity is a paradox. It's a statement that seems to contradict itself, but may nevertheless be true. And we'll see that and see how the truth is revealed in the Word. And then the next verse was uh, Psalm 119, uh, verse 130, and this come out of the Amplified Bible. Uh, it says, the unfolding of your glorious words gives light. Their, their unfolding gives understanding to the simple, childlike. So what God's saying right there is the unfolding or the, or the entrance of your word gives light. In other words, when we get into the word, it's going to give us light, and it's going to give us so much light that even the simple, if you have a childlike faith, you can understand it. So here's a nugget of wisdom. Doctrine should stand, doctrine or the teaching like we're doing during this Bible school or study, is doctrine should stand or fall based on the biblical revelation and not on human logic. If it's not backed up and proofed by the infallible, incorruptible word of God, it's nothing more than commentary or opinion. Don't get me wrong. I love commentary. I love opinion from great writers. But it's always got to fall back. If it's not backed up by the word of God, then don't trust it. And even though the word trinity, uh, which simply means three and one, 
is not found in the Bible. The concept was absolutely believed and taught in the early church. The whole of the gospel message stands on the concept of the Trinity. Our understanding of what we believe in Jesus is built on the concept of Trinity. And as we progress, we'll see what the Word of God says about it. I love Spurgeon, so I, I see his quotes all the time. I grab them, and, and I, I just like them because he's, you know, any, anybody that's put thousands and thousands of messages together, he spent a lot of time in the Word, you know. So anyway, he, this is a, another uh, quote. He says, a gospel, a gospel without the Trinity is a rope of sand that cannot hold together. Isn't that something? Wow. So we're going to talk about the concept of the Trinity. The Trinity is the foundational Christian belief that God is one being who exists in three distinct, simultaneous, eternal persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. This is, mono, this is what you call monotheism. It's one God. However, the Father is not the same person as the Son. The Son is not the same person as the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the same person as the Father. They are not three gods, nor three beings. Are you with me so far? They are three distinct persons, yet they're all the one God that we worship. Like I said, this is a tough subject. When you, I mean, I, this, I could have probably written notes on about 50 pages for this, as much as information as Trying to condense it down to 45 minutes is tough. Each has a will. There are three distinct persons, yet they are all the one God that we worship. Each has a will, can speak, can love, Etc., which are, which are demonstrations of personhood. They are an absolute perfect harmony and unity existing and consisting as one eternal, non created divine being or essence or substance or nature. They are the eternal, co equal, and co They are co eternal, co equal, and co powerful. If any of these three were removed, if any one of the three were removed, there would be no God. In other words, if you had a, if, if you took out the Holy Spirit, there would be no God. If you took out God the Father, there would be no God. If you took out the Son, there would be no God. It's got to be God in three persons. And as we talk about the Trinity concept, it's, it's a fascinating fact to know that this idea is actually found in the very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what, the, what we see in this verse is the, if you see the word there for God, the Hebrew word for God is Elohim. Elohim is the plural form of the word of God and is translated as such 430 times in the Bible and many more times in variations of the basic plural form. In other words, it's actually Elohim directly, but then there's other variations that have Elohim in it with added uh, pro, uh, whatever you call those things before or after the, the word. So, uh, but plural, as you know, means more than one. So the idea that God is somehow three in one starts with page one of the Bible. So in, in, in Genesis 1.26, we, we see the same evidence of plurality in the pronouns used. Genesis 1.26 says, this is when we're, they were talking about creating man. He said, then God said, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. See, us and our are obvious plural personal pronouns. And then we also see the same thing used or the same uh, suggestion used in, in uh, the New Testament by Jesus. On John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to them, 
in one of his uh, sermons, he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to, to him and make our home with him. So you see the re- relationship right there? We're talking about more than one. Jesus didn't say we, meaning just him. He's talking about we, the Godhead, will come to him and make our homes with him. There are many other places that we can see this divine plurality expressed throughout Scripture. Read these for further study, and you, you can see them right there in the Genesis and Psalm, Isaiah, uh, John 14, 23, which we just read, and John 17, 11, and 21, and 22. So I suggest you go back and read those just for uh, to see the, the, the pronouns used uh, the same way as the one in 14, 23 there. So when we talk about God existing in three persons, it may be helpful to think of it this way. Uh, think of when we're talking about when we said uh, one being and three persons. The being is what someone is, what someone is, and person is who someone is. I'm a being, I'm a human being, but I'm Robert Newman, so I'm the person Robert Newman. So, I mean, that's just a kind of a simple analysis right there, but this, this is helping us, to, helping us, I hope, to see uh, what, we're gonna, what we're seeing through, throughout this. So God is the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That's the what, one being. And the Father is God, Jesus the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. That's the who. We have three persons. But only the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are God. I know it's diff- it, it's kind of like one of those things that's going around and around in your head and say, I'm not understanding that totally, but I, I, think, you, I think you will. And, and uh, you'll understand it to a certain degree as God reveals it to you, I believe, but but it's, it's just a hard thing for what's not something that, it's, it's like I said, it's a paradox. You know, it seems contradictory, but, it, but we believe it by faith. So, as, so one God in three persons, question, question, question. As stated earlier, this is a concept that is not easy to fully comprehend, and there's probably no way to perfectly and completely explain it or understand it. But by faith and obedience, we go to the Word for the answers. And as we go into the Word, we must first establish the truth that there is only one God. Many scripture evidences exist, but here's a few for starters. And this is, this is probably one that everyone should know, but it's one that the, that the Jewish people knew for sure. Deuteronomy 6, 4, verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, let me just stop right there for just a second. That's one of the most important if not probably the most important passage for all Jewish uh, people to learn. And that this is, as we, I think we talked about this when we were doing tabernacle study or, or, the, or the, uh, probably when we did the study on the feast. But this is the scripture, and, and there's, it continues with uh, the rest of the verse, and I'll read it here in just a minute. But uh, this is the verse that the first thing that's taught to their children, the Jewish children, they, they're taught this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's called the Great Shema. And it comes from Shema means hear. And it's, it's because it's the first word of that paragraph in the Bible or that statement in the Bible. They usually, Jews, Jewish people, when they wrote the Bible, the Hebrews, they wrote it. The first, usually when they titled something, it was based on the first word. So it says, in other words, it's the Great Shema or the Great Hear. And the rest of that verse says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 
And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. But anyway, that's the rest of the scripture. But I just want to say that's the importance of that. And the reason it's important because Jesus even quoted that when, when the rich man, or not the rich man, but one of the scribes came to him and, and asked that question, which is the greatest commandment? Well, this is what Jesus said. Which commandment? The, he was asked which commandment is the most important all of all. And Jesus said the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In other words, he's getting the point across that there is only one God. That's so, you, so that comes from both the mouth of, of Moses when he wrote this and uh, given, as given to God from God and, and also from Jesus. So moving on, we'll go to Isaiah 44, 6, another uh, scripture about one God. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. And Isaiah 46, 9 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. In 1 Corinthians 8, 4 through 6, uh, Paul writing to the Corinthian church says, Therefore concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For even if there were... There are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, of whom all things, as uh, who, of whom are all things, and we for Him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all are all things, and through whom we live. Just another proof about what uh, we're talking about and and saying the thing that God is one. Galatians three twenty says uh, just a brief. Uh, passage but it says now a mediator does not mediate for one only but God is one and I always encourage you to you know even though I take little segments out of the, out of the passage there you can go back I mean it's a good how many of you know we need to study the whole context of that scripture so go back and read the whole passage before and after but he but he says but God is one and then he wrote to uh, Paul wrote to, to Timothy in first Timothy 2 2 5 he says for there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. So, it's the way of the cults, and I might add, uh, false religions, to reduce or modify biblical truth to make God comprehensible and understandable by their minds. To this end, they subject God's word to their own reasoning and end in error, usually resulting in an outright denial of the Trinity altogether or redefining it as a cluster of three separate gods or modes of operation. When God is defined to fit your when God is defined to fit your logic or ideas, then you have what is known as religion. We don't have a religion. We have relationship. Right, exactly. So anything that's a religion, I mean, even though a lot of people call whatever we do as a, as a religion, it's really not. Religion, always keeping in mind, religion is man's attempt to get to God instead of God's attempt to what he's already done through Jesus Christ to get to us. So... So it is the making of God in their image instead of the other way around, idolatry and rebellion to the highest level. And as we talked about when we talked about the various cults and false religions and things like that, and Sharon asked me about Mormonism and, and the thing about, uh, you know, what they thought about Jesus and things like that. You know, they, they think of God as, as, as three the God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as three separate gods. And that's why it's important for us to know what the what the basis of, of scripture and what the scripture says about it and how we believe. We believe it's one God in three persons. And same way with the uh, uh, 
I think it's the Jehovah Witness, if I remember right. Uh, Jesus, you know, remember what I said. What what do they do with Jesus? Well, Jesus is is a is just one of the sons of God, but he's also a brother to Lucifer, you know. And so that's how they treat, you know. That look, we'll get in. We'll do that one of these days. We'll do we'll do cults. It's a very interesting study, and it's a never ending study, probably. But that's the way, you know. That that's what people are doing is in in religions is they're making. I don't know what's the matter with this thing. Some way, some way I hold it, I guess. But anyway, they're making their God in their own image. In other words, to fit their mind, their concept, their logic of what they can do. And that's how they do it is they modify the Scripture. And they'll even take the Bible and twist it around in order to make that work. Nevertheless, as we move on, we can use the following verses as evidences to demonstrate that the doctrine of the Trinity is indeed biblical and shows the three persons working as one. Remember I, I said Trinity is not, it's not in the Bible as, as the word. But I believe God clearly reveals it, and we can see that in, in these scriptures that we're going to go forth with. Uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen, the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Notice, notice he said baptizing them in the name, singular, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He didn't say baptizing them in the names of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's singular, one God, but Father consisting of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It would be kind of like when something is done uh, diplomatically for the United States by an ambassador. He does it in the name of the United States of America, but he doesn't do it in the name of the states or every state of the United States of America. He does it in the name of the United States of America. That's how we, that's how we hear that um, and, and see that. 1 Corinthians 12 Four through six says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversion, diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. See, we see all three right there in that just that short passage, the spirit, the Lord, and God. Second Corinthians 13, 14. As he was closing out that that uh, particular letter, he says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 7. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. See that we see it all. We see it revealed right there, and as he's writing, spirit, the the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, and one God the Father. First Peter one two says, uh, in verse two he says, uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience in sprinkling of the blood of Jesus. And then the last verse is Jude uh, twenty and twenty one. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most on, in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. All three are mentioned right there in those two passages. So it's hard to deny. It, it, it would be hard for anyone to deny that the that the Trinity, the the concept of the Trinity, the concept of one God in three persons, is not taught and especially revealed in the New Testament. And I put this little. Uh, a graphic here that kind of shows it's it's just a, to help you to understand the relationship of all three in there. It, 
in the center you have, if you've got that, I guess you have that in your notes, the little triangle thing. Okay. God in the center, of course, that's the being, that, that's the, the what, uh, God. And then you have the three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you see that it's demonstrated right there. The, the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And then also out on the outside uh, perimeter, it's the God. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. Does that help understand it a little better? Not, yeah, it's a good example. And there's lots of them out there that you can do. But I, I just I, I thought we needed something. I'm, I'm like, especially men. I know men need need visual aids to understand things. So, so <laughs> more than anything, <laughs> more than women do, I guess. But that's correct, right? So. So hopefully, and like I said, I could have we could have gone on and on about this, but but the the, uh, uh, the point is, I wanted to I want you to understand that the Trinity is a concept that's that's uh, in the Bible, and this I hope this study has been helpful in understanding the concept and reasoning of the importance of the doctrine of the Trinity. So the last word is is the Trinity and the work of redemption. The revelation of the Trinity, the revelation of the Trinity brings with it the revelation of the gospel. And the Apostle Paul clarifies it this way in Galatians 4, 4 through 6. And, and you know, the thing, the thing about it is, the reason I bring this to, let's, let's just read the Scripture first and then we'll talk about it. But when the fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that, he might receive the, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying abba father see we see all those all three uh, persons involved in those two those three scriptures right there the point i want to make about that is that it's the it, the 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 uh, you know we can study and and be able to give an answer for what we believe about the trinity but we we also need to know what the the whole heart of the trinity is and that's the that's the revealing of the gospel in salvation from the father through in it is salvation from the father through the son and in the Holy Spirit, each person of the Godhead has a part. Now, I promise you, I didn't send these notes in. I sent these notes in last night before Pastor Travis got up this morning and, and preached half my message on his, <laughs> half my teaching. But I was so happy for that because that just, to me, that just affirms that how the Holy Spirit works, you know, in, in teaching and, and preaching and, and how we, no, it's not your bad, it's It's good. Because he, he I, I told Cindy when we were listening to him this morning, I said, well, you know, he's, he's teaching exactly what I'm teaching tonight. So, that, I mean, it's closing up with. But anyway, he, if you didn't listen to it this morning, it's very good. But, it, but he, he was talking about the things and how in, in Ephesians, how the whole plan of salvation is revealed right there. And so here I just wanted to, I wanted to close with this. The Father has, pre, in, in, in that, that part of it, the Father in, has predestined us. We're talking about the involvement. Each person of the Godhead has a part. The Father has predestined us. It said in Ephesians 1, 5, it says, having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ himself. The Son has redeemed us. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him we have redemption through his blood. And then the Holy Spirit secures us. Ephesians 1, 13, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. This is all out of the word of God. It's exactly what he, he, he spoke those words this morning. And so we can see how that how that involves the entire Godhead. The three persons is is uh, are are working 
in, in the salvation of a mankind through, uh, through the Godhead and through the, the three persons of the, of the Trinity. B.B. Warfield, he, he says, he, this is a quote from him, he said, the revelation of the Trinity was incidental to and the inevitable effect of the accomplishment of redemption. So without a shadow of a doubt, this should, this should show why the doctrine of the Trinity should be central to whatever Christ follower believes, and that's why it's very important. So I, I encourage you, I mean, I'm, I'm going to close with that. I mean, it's a short, pretty short tonight, but um, I'll make up for that long when I went, did the first time when I went 15 or 20 minutes over. But anyway, it's short tonight, but I hope you got something out of and, and learned something about the Trinity, and, and, uh, and then we'll move on. I promise you next week we'll get into... Um, um, the, de the, the humanity, the deity and humanity of Jesus Christ the next time, and I think this will be November the uh, 9th before I, because we got uh, next week it'll be first, first Wednesday, right, Pastor Travis? So we'll have regular uh, Wednesday night service on that night, and, uh, and then we'll get back into uh, teaching the next Wednesday night after that. So, uh, but... I don't know about you, but this, to me, a deep study of that and, and the things we believe always encourages me and always helps me to be bold enough to, to have those kind of, it's kind of like having, having bullets in your gun belt, you know. I mean, when the enemy starts shooting back, you, you know, you're not going to run out. It's more than just a six-shooter. It's like having, a, having an 18-round clip in your, in your gun. So it's always good to have that. So hope you got something out of it, and we'll continue to, in that same mode the next time. And just wanted to encourage everybody, uh, we still could use help on Saturday uh, for the work day. Got lots to do around here. I think Jennifer's got a list that's about a mile long. You can sign up back there. Still sign up if you want to come so we, we know last minute to get uh, breakfast for that morning. But it's always a good time to come and, and do the work and, and fellowship with everybody here. So we're looking, looking forward to that. Anything else we need to announce? Yeah, volunteers for Fall Festival, I think they've only got somewhere around 30 or so, a little over 30. We need about 50. So if you can help for that, and, and look, it's it's only, you, if you'll sign up, you can get a 30-minute slot. And if you don't, then the, then the rest that have signed up is going to get an hour, two-hour slot. So <laughs> have a little mercy there. So sign up, and most of you probably have, so it's, it's good. If you want to sign up for that, we need that help too. So let's close with a word of prayer, okay? Well, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for this time tonight. We thank you that it's been profitable to all of us, Father. We know that the word's gone forward and it will not return void. It will work things in our hearts and it will help us to be bold. It will help us to be knowledgeable. It will help us to be able to give a defense and answer a good response to any questions that might come our way. And it helps us. And during these times, especially when so many things are going on, so many things are going that when the Antichrist spirit is running rampant in this world, Father, it will help us to know that we're we're bold enough, we're, we're knowledgeable enough of the word, that nothing's going to stop us and that we all we have to do is call upon the Spirit of God to help us, to remind us of the answer we need, we need to give. And, Father, we give it by faith, we give it by out of obedience, and we give it because we know the word of God and we put in the diligent study of your word, and we thank you for that, Father. We thank you for all that you're going to show to us in the, in the rest of the lessons that we have. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. 
It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.